Um, I have the privilege and honor of serving at the greatest youth group here in the United States of America. Um, I, I do want to say a couple of things before I start. I just want to honor a couple of people. Uh, first, my wife. Um, she just delivered three weeks ago. Um, She's been holding on the fort. We have two children under two, and my advice is don't do it. Um, <laughs> so, but it's been a blessing. Shiloh Grace is our new one. Um, she has been a blessing for us. Um, and the second thing I want to honor is the people who have come alongside us um, in this journey. Um, we love you guys. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for the food, the text messages, all the things. We're so grateful. We feel the love uh, from the bottom of our hearts. So thank you. Um, and the last person I'd like to honor is Pastor Matthew. Thank you for this opportunity for me to speak. Um, this might be my, this is my first time, but this might be my last, so. Um, I think I gotta make the most of this, right? Um, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're gonna be in Numbers chapter 24, verses 17. And it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of all the people of Sheth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. How many of you guys have disobeyed what God has told you to do? Most likely everybody in this room, there's some saints in this room and I know you haven't disobeyed the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but most of us have disobeyed what God has told you to do. What if I told you this? What if I told you God told me not to come to California? You see, I was in Houston, uh, just freshly graduated with my undergrad degree in ministry. I just came back from Lebanon doing mission, and I'm asking God at my old church in the pew, God, what do you want me to do? When you ask that question, you really sometimes don't want to hear the answer, right? I mean, you're just like, all right, God, what do you want me to do? It's just a, a courtesy ask. It's a courtesy thing that I tell God. All right, God, what do you want me to do? And at that time, I really wanted to come to California. I really wanted to be here. I visited one time, and I was like, man, I'm in love with California. I want to come and be a part of this community. And so there I was in the pew in my old church in Houston. I'm, I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stay in Houston or do you want me to go to California? And the overwhelming peace that I had was to stay in Houston. But I chose to go to California. And so I moved. I applied to Fuller, I got in, I got my apartment, everything went, great. everything went great, I moved in, my parents left, and there I am living in my apartment all by myself in California, and I am fully distraught. I'm starting to, starting to question, God, 
did I make the right decision? I don't have peace. It feels like I, I should go back. And so for the next three months, I'm asking God every single day, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I chose my selfish desire to come to California and not pick what you wanted me to do. And as someone who is going to seminary trying to be a minister of the gospel, there I was choosing what I wanted. And so I was at a church after three months and, and we were doing an exercise of listening prayer. And I asked God, God, what is it that you want me to do? And he speaks to my heart and he says, Rufus, I have a specific purpose for you to go and do. I've chosen you. And I asked him, what is it for? He said, stay here and see. He says, Rufus, I, will, I love you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will reveal it to you as you spend time with me. You see, that was the word that has gotten me through these next seven years of my life. That word has been on my heart since I got into California. It's that the Lord will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And as we spend time with him, his glory will be revealed. The reason I share this story is, is I want to get to a place where we're, we're in Advent now and when we're talking about this series from promise to presence and we're explaining, we're prepping ourselves for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, but we're also prepping ourselves, we're pre uh, preparing ourselves for the second coming of Jesus. You see, when we're in this text in Numbers chapter 24, verses 17, we're, we're, we're introduced to two characters in this pericope. It's Balaam and Balak. Balaam is a, a, a pagan prophet. He's a pagan diviner, but he's used by Yahweh to speak and prophesy of a coming king. And then we have Balak, who was a king of Moab. He was scared. He was frightened about the Israelites. He, he was scared about what they were doing when they came onto the land of Moab. And so what he does is he goes and finds Balaam, and he goes and hires him to curse the Israelites. You see, Balaam says something to Balak, and he says, I will only heed to the word of God. So whatever God tells me is what I will do. So it takes some convincing for, Balak to come, for Balaam to come to Balak. And so Balaam goes after some convincing and some money, and he goes to Balak, and he builds these seven altars. And so in each altar, Balak is wanting Balaam to curse the Israelites, but he doesn't. Instead, he blesses them. He blesses the Israelites. And so we are in the fourth altar. That's where we are today. And in the fourth altar, what Balaam does is that he prophesies of a star that is to come, of a scepter that is to rule. He's prophesying of a new king, a perfect king. Amen? So where we are is the fourth oracle, the fourth prophecy, and he, and he shares, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of all the people of Seth. 
You see, the star and scepter points to a king. It is pointing to a coming perfect ruler. Advent, we are prepping ourselves in remembrance of what God has done, but also for the hope of who is coming. You see, we see the star throughout Scripture. It points to Jesus. The star is an emblem that continues to point to Jesus. In one instance of this prophecy, this prophecy becomes a guide to the star in which the wise men follow, in which we read in Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, he, it talks about how there are these wise men, they're astronomers, and they're, and they're reading this prophecy that was given to them. They're finally thinking, oh, this is my time. I can finally go. And so they go out and search for the king by the star. You see, this is a star that guides us. This is a star that guides our lives. So church, I have a challenge for you in this Advent season. You see, the message and the hope of Jesus Christ cannot be dull for us. It cannot be an old message that we continue to hear every season in Christmas. The challenge that I have for you is that this message of the hope of Jesus Christ will be something that continues to bring us joy and excitement of the coming Jesus. You see, uh, uh, as a father, uh, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Sayla, she's a year and a half, and she loves Hello Kitty. I don't know how she got it, I don't know where, but she loves Hello Kitty. And so she will spot it in any direction. If someone is wearing Hello Kitty, she will look at that person and be like, a kiss, a kiss, a kiss, which is baby language for Hello Kitty. And so, as a father, one of the, the expectations and the anticipation that I have is that I love to get Sayla gifts. I love to get her a gift because the excitement that she has, the joy that she has, the, the little words that she uses to, when she receives the gifts, it, it just brings me so much joy. And so one day we were at the mall and, and there's a Hello Kitty store and you know, my, my daughter's in love, so we cannot skip that store. And so we walk into the store, and um, my warning for you guys as you walk into that store is everything is really expensive. Um, and so my daughter walks into the store, and she's in heaven. She's looking at everything. It's, everything is Hello Kitty. This is Hello Kitty. That's Hello Kitty. And she spots this pen. And I, and I'm like, all right, maybe I can get this pen, right? Maybe it'll be cheap. And so she's running around the store, showing the clerk I have this Hello Kitty pen. And so then I go to the pen and I see the price and I'm like, all right, $6, all right, I guess I can do it. It's not 50, you know. And so secretly I go and buy this pen, I put it in my pocket and I take Sayla, dragged her out of the store, pulled her out by her bare claws, take her to the car, strap her in, take her home. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, I cannot wait to hand her this gift. See, the expectation and the anticipation that I have to give her this gift is bringing me so much joy. And so at night, 
here I am, I'm excited to give it to her, and I bent down, get on her level. For new fathers, you have to get on the level of your, of your, of your child, and so I get on my knees, and I hand her this gift, and there she is, full of joy, running around, showing my dog the Hello Kitty pin, showing my wife the Hello Kitty pin, you know, going outside to our neighbors, showing them the Hello Kitty pin. It's just full excitement. And then it's time for bed. So I put her down, and she wakes up the next morning, and I'm excited, I'm, I'm, I'm waking her up, and I run to that Hello Kitty pin so that I can see more of the excitement, and what does she do? She doesn't care anymore. She doesn't care about this pen. I don't even know where the pen is anymore. You see, this is what happens to us, that the message of hope, sometimes it will get dull for us. It will get boring for us. We hear this every season. And the encouragement that I have for you guys is that this message has to be renewed in your heart every single day. It has to be renewed to your heart every single day. You see, when you put your expectation and your anticipation on something that is of this world, it's just gonna lead to frustration. But when you put your expectation and your anticipation on the coming of Jesus Christ every single day, you are met with a hope that you can continue on to a star that will guide your life even in the darkest of places. You see, in, in, this, in this passage, something that, that that I had a question about is Balaam and Balak hears about this prophecy of a coming king, right? Of a coming king who is going to rule and they don't hear the message at all. They don't even hear it. And some of us, we've been coming to church, we've been doing this and we still haven't received the hope of Jesus Christ. This is just a routine for you guys. You see, it, it, this message is our hope. This is the star that which guides us in our life. This is something that gives us a hope to look forward to. But for some of us, it still hasn't clicked in our heads. For some of us, this doesn't make any sense. See, what encourages me about the wise men in Matthew 2 is their wholehearted commitment to find and worship the Prince of Peace, right? You see, they see the star and it guides them and they travel thousands of miles to go up to Bethlehem. And this would not have taken any single measure of, of a journey. This is gonna be taking 100 to 400 days on camel just to go see and worship this king of king. You see, there's a wholehearted commitment that they are doing every single day because they know about the hope of Jesus Christ. They committed their whole lives to this journey to find the newborn king. You see, let your worship be a wholehearted commitment to the daily practice of being guided by the star. This is my challenge for you in this season of Advent is that every day we can wake up 
point ourselves to the star that will guide us. Point ourselves to the hope of Jesus. Point ourselves to the ruler and the king who is coming. In Revelations 22:16, Jesus is depicted as the bright and morning star. You see, that, that imagery is very important for me. It's, it, it brings forth an image that Jesus every day points to a new dawn. So some of us in, in, our, in our moments, in our lives where we're trekking on and it's dark and it's painful and there's suffering, there's something that is pointing us every day for a new dawn. See, Jesus is that bright and morning star. He points us to a new dawn every single day. So how about you? What does wholehearted worship of Jesus, your Prince of Peace, look like for you right now? In this season of Advent, as we have started today, what does it look like to take a wholehearted commitment to following Jesus, to looking forward, to prepping yourself on the daily, to look forward to the celebration of the birth of Jesus, but also to the second coming of our perfect King. You see, during Christmas, we do all these things, and I think Beth, you put it the right way. We, we do everything for us to make it feel like Christmas. We, we have the dinner parties, we have the gifts, one of the hardest things to, to have Christmas here in Los Angeles is that it's hot, right? It's hot, it's, it's, it's warm. Next week it's 80 degrees on a November, or on a December. It's hot, it doesn't feel like Christmas. We are trying our hardest to make sure everything is perfect for that one day. You see, when our expectation and our anticipation is on the things of this world, it's gonna lead to frustration. But every day as you expect and you anticipate on the hope of Jesus, this is a daily renewal to the hope of Jesus Christ. There's a verse I wanna read. I, uh, I was hesitant, I was deciding whether to put this in my sermon. But Psalms 135, it says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. We are waiting. This is a season of waiting. We are reminded that we are continuing to wait. We are reminded in this season of Advent, we are, 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 are waiting for a God, a ruler to come. Our lives haven't been met. This world and the things that it has to offer, it's not enough, it will not suffice you. We are in the season of waiting. And so to go back to the story that I shared in the beginning, I think the word that I have for you, church, is that church, Jesus has a specific purpose for you to go and do. Church, Jesus has chosen you. You might ask, what is it for? He said, stay here and see, be faithful to this church. Church, Jesus says, I love you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as you spend time with me, I will reveal to you 
the hope and glory of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that you are a good God. That as in this season of Advent, as we wait on the coming King, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that we will be pointed to the star that continues to guide our life. That even in the midst of the darkest moments, even in the midst of pain and suffering, even in the midst of all these things, God, I pray this message will not get dull, that the hope of Jesus will not get boring, but every day we will renew ourselves and point ourselves to the star that guides us. In Jesus' name, amen.